0: Welcome to Urban Plant Health Network's podcast series The Good, the Bad, and the Bugly.
1: Urban gardens are a bit like mini ecosystems, with all kinds of ornamental and fruiting plants and trees, with insects and wildlife that all interact together. We've talked a bit about the bad bugs that we want to keep out of our gardens in previous episodes but what about the good bugs? These beneficial insects can help control bad bugs and also limit the use of chemicals in our gardens, helping to keep our backyard ecosystems healthy. To find out more, I'm joined in the Urban Plant Health Network studio by Dr Lizzie Lowe from Caesar Australia. Lizzie, thanks for your time.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
1: Lizzie, we depend a lot on insecticides to control pests and gardens. There is, though, another way. You talk about a patchwork ecosystem. What is that?
0: When we talk about gardens and urban areas in general, they're really, really complex ecosystems because it basically means when you've got lots of people with lots of different gardens, everybody is managing their back garden differently. So in one kind of suburban block, you can have, what, 20 to 50 land managers And it means you end up with a real patchwork. You end up with one person who might have a very holistic garden. They don't use any insecticides. They've got lots of native plants. And right next door, you might have somebody who prioritises a very highly maintained garden or a very kind of manicured garden. And they have very, very different approaches. So you end up with this fascinating ecosystem where there's a lot of different things happening.
1: So Lizzie, why does that matter in terms of having different ecosystems throughout your neighbourhood?
0: Yeah, so it can make it really difficult for people on an individual level to understand what's going on in their back garden and to have much of an impact of what's living there on a broader scale. If you think about things like insects, they're moving in and out of ecosystems all the time. So if you're trying really hard to encourage the insects in your back garden, then you may actually be having trouble because the person next door doesn't have a similar approach. That's why we really like to talk to whole communities about their approaches to insect management and trying to get everyone on board with that idea of using fewer chemicals in order to deal with their pests.
1: So Lizzie, what are some of the good bugs, good insects that people should be trying to have in their backyard so you've got a healthy local ecosystem?
0: Yeah, there are a lot of really important insects that we should be encouraging in our back gardens. Insects do a range of really important jobs. Um, Most people will recognize that pollinators are a really important part of our garden ecosystems. So we've got things like bees and butterflies that are coming in, they're pollinating our plants in order for those plants to seed and grow up into the future. But there's also decomposers and predators which play really important roles. Decomposers are there to break down the nutrients in the soil so this includes things like slaters, worms, slugs, all these kind of insects that people don't usually like to think about but they're really, really vital soil organisms and if you think about if we didn't have those decomposers in our ecosystems we'd have dead leaf litter and things sitting around that wouldn't actually get taken back into the soil and the plants wouldn't have access to those nutrients. And I mentioned predators as well. So if we're talking about trying to reduce the amount of pesticides we're using, we need a different way to control our pests. And these predators have been evolving for, what, hundreds of millions of years in order to eat insects. They're perfectly designed for the job and they're very, very good at eating a range of different pests that we have in our back garden. There's lots of examples of things like spiders, lacewings, which are beautiful flying insects, which are really good predators, ladybugs, and even dragonflies. Dragonflies are fantastic predators, both in their juvenile stages when they actually live in the water and they can eat mosquito larvae, and then they hatch out of the water, they fly around, and they're amazing mosquito predators when they're adults as well.
1: Lizzie, what are parasitoids, and how do they work into this whole process?
0: Yeah, so we've talked about predators and how they can attack our pests, but parasitoids are the next level. They're really, really great at controlling pests because what they do is they're insects that have evolved to lay their eggs in other insects. And so this creates like a really nice kind of warm environment full of food for their eggs to develop. So how this happens is it's often a wasp and the wasp will come along and lay its egg into something like a caterpillar and then fly away. Its job is done. That egg will grow inside the caterpillar, actually feeding off the insides of the caterpillar and then burst out when it's ready to hatch. It sounds very, very gruesome, but if you think about it, it's a very targeted way of dealing with caterpillars in your back garden. That wasp isn't going to lay its egg into any of our beneficial bees or spiders. It's just going to be targeting those particular caterpillars and not going to be affecting anything else.
1: Yeah, Lizzie, I think gruesome is probably the understatement in terms of the term, but you describe it well as in terms of being targeted. Ladybugs, we don't usually think of them as predators, but I understand there's also bad ladybugs. How can that be?
0: ladybugs are actually ferocious predators they're very very good in both their juvenile and adult stages at controlling things like aphids but there are actually over a hundred different species of ladybird in Australia some of them are predators some of them eat fungi and there's one or two species which will actually eat plants and so that's they're the ones that we would refer to as the bad ladybugs because they can actually become pests eating the plants in your garden. But the main species you need to look out for there is the 28-spotted ladybugs. So if you have the time to go out there and count the spots, you can work out which species you have. But the vast majority of species of ladybug that you'll see in your garden are actually doing a really important job by controlling those pests.
1: Lizzie, the other one is pollinators. What are pollinators? And are they just bees or are there other pollinators out there?
0: Yeah that's a great question. A pollinator is basically any animal that will take the pollen from one plant to another and the pollen is really important because it actually enables the plants to make their seed. So when we see this in insects we see things like bees, they'll come in and feed on the nectar that's provided by a flower, they'll get that pollen stuck onto them and then they'll take that over to the next flower when they go feed again and they've transferred basically the genetic material from one plant to the next. We know that bees do this really well. We have the honeybee which has been introduced to Australia for the pure idea of pollinating plants especially some of the plants that we need in agriculture but Australia has hundreds of species of native bee as well that are also very good pollinators they just are not able to be carted around on such a a large scale as the honeybees but also You've got butterflies that can be pollinators, even things like beetles and flies. Any insect that's regularly visiting different types of flowers can be a pollinator. And of course, we have birds and even mammals in our back gardens, like the little honey gliders and sugar gliders. They can act as pollinators as well.
1: Lizzie, how do we encourage some of these pollinators? You know, we hear about things like bee hotels.
0: Yeah, the best thing that you can do to encourage pollinators in your garden is to make sure they have enough food and water. That's the main things we need to think about in terms of habitat. So food, of course, is any type of flowering plant and having different types of plant flowering throughout the year can be really useful to make sure they've still got that food continuing throughout the year. Water is important as well, but of course remember to keep an eye out for mosquitoes, it's good to refresh the water. When it comes to a place for them to live, Australian native bees live in all sorts of different types of vegetation and also some of them even live in the ground. So that's where this kind of idea of the bee hotel came from. They've got these long kind of tubes in them to encourage The resin bees which will usually live down in the holes and sticks and sometimes they'll have clay and things in there for the ground nesting bees as well. The problem with the bee hotels is that they can also sometimes encourage the diseases that bees carry and the parasites that might come in and feed on the bees as well because the bees aren't used to living in such close proximity as a bee hotel. So it's great for an opportunity to see the native bees that are living in your garden, but it's not the only way to encourage bees and other pollinators in your garden.
1: Lizzie, what about some of the other beneficial insects? How do you encourage those to live in your garden?
0: When it comes to predators, the best way that you can encourage predators is, again, to make sure that there's enough food for them. And when it comes to predators, their food is these pests. Of course, we don't wanna have lots and lots of different pests in our gardens, but I think we need to kind of get used to the idea that having a low level of some types of pests is actually an okay thing. If you've got a couple of aphids around or a couple of cockroaches in the back garden, this isn't a huge problem. And it does actually encourage those predators to come in and start eating those pests rather than you getting straight onto that pest problem, spraying everything straight away, and then the predators have no reason to come into your garden and you don't have any ongoing biodiversity because of that.
1: Lizzie, some of the reading for this interview, I found a few other terms that I'm unfamiliar with. One of them's augmentation. Can you explain actually what that is? And also insectariums?
0: Yeah, so when we talk about augmentation, this is again to do with pest control. You can either rely on the predators to come in on their own terms Or you can actually use augmented pest control, which is where you breed up large numbers of these predators, such as ladybirds, and you can actually release them in your garden. So there are companies which do this. They do it for back gardens, but also on a larger scale um, in agricultural systems. And there's even a group that uses drones to fly around the fields and drop the predators onto their fields so that they can do the pest control work. It's very cool.
1: Lizzie I've actually seen a photograph of yours which is a styrofoam box on the front seat of a car and it looked like it was full of insects live insects so you were involved with that.
0: Yeah that's exactly right so we had some ladybirds that were shipped out to us and we were having a look at how those ladybirds behave in terms of what kind of different aphids they can eat.
1: Lizzie, wrapping all this up, it sounds like working with insects is a much healthier and a more productive way to run a garden. Dr Lizzie Lowe from Caesar Australia. It's always wonderful to talk with you. And thank you for joining me in the Urban Plant Health Network studio.
0: Thanks so much. I always enjoy having a good chat. Thank you for listening to The Good, The Bad and The Bugly. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. This podcast was developed for the Urban Plant Health Network.